Here we go. We're going to dive now into God's Word. So if you want to stand with me, we're going to continue on our series as we are looking at the life of Moses. We started that last week. We're going to do that tonight, the next couple weeks, and then in August, we're going to look at the life of Joshua for five weeks as we kind of this summer cover Moses and Joshua. Hebrews 11, 23-28 says this, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Uh, would you pray with me? God, thank you that you are here in this place. God, thank you for uh, new members to our church, the halls. God, thank you for these beautiful children, these boys that we're able to dedicate to you, and we, we place them in your hands. And God, as a church, we want to help the McDermott's and the Morgans to raise these boys knowing you. God, it, it's, it's hard to parent so, God, we just want to, as a church, support them in that. And, Jesus, we just ask that as we look at the life of Moses, that, Lord, you would teach us something about you, something about your word, something about ourselves. And, God, tonight, that you would just speak through me, give me the words uh, that I need to share, and that it, uh, just that you would speak to everyone's heart, mind, and soul tonight to receive the word from you that they need to receive. God, I pray that hearts would be encouraged minds would be inspired this week. We just leave here with a, a greater vision of who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. You can take a seat. Uh, tonight's message, if you're taking notes on your phone, um, I call it after the fire goes out. After the fire goes out. How many of you have one of those friends who gets really excited about something and then kind of the passion fades? Uh, maybe they get a Peloton bike and they start a whole Instagram account on how they are going to do the Peloton bike. Josh Olson isn't here, so I can say that. Uh, maybe he'll watch later. Probably not, though. Uh, you know, you get really excited, but then what happens after the fire goes out? Ever been sitting on an airplane, and you see a couple, and you know they've bought two plane tickets, but they're actually sitting in one seat, you know, and they're kind of all over each other, and just like, oh, honeymoon, right? Yeah, how could you guess? And, you know, there's so much fire and passion and then maybe you see them a few years later, and they're out to dinner, and they can't even keep the conversation going. They're both on their phones. And what happens after the fire goes out? I think all of us have that experience, where we get some new toy or some new hobby, something, and, and you're all excited, and you're fired up. But then kind of that passion and that fire goes out. And so tonight we're going to talk about what what do we do after the fire goes out? That's what is important. So we're looking at the life of Moses. Last week, we, we kind of talked about the cultural context here. God chose Abraham to be the bearer of the seed that was to come, Jesus, that was going to be a blessing to all the world. And then that promise was passed down through Isaac and then through Jacob. And Jacob had his 12 sons and Joseph with the Technicolor dream coat. And then Joseph is sold into slavery to Egypt, and then he rises to power, and he saves the world, really. And then his whole family moves down, 
And, and it's a good ending to the story of the book of Genesis. But then Exodus starts 400 years later. And the king, the pharaoh, he doesn't remember Joseph. And he's getting worried because the Hebrew people, they're expanding so greatly. So he says, here, little government-sponsored family planning, midwives, all the Jewish boys, when they're born, you need to kill them. Let, let the girls live, but the boys kill them. And by faith, Moses' parents looked and saw that their son Moses, he had a, a purpose and God had some plan for him. And so they hid him away for three months and they had to send him in a basket down the Nile River. And, and we learned last week how Pharaoh's daughter, she draws him out and she looks and instantly she knows he's a Hebrew because Hebrews have been marked by circumcision. And, and so Moses, he's kind of in these two different worlds as he's raised by his mom. She becomes his nursemaid, but then also in the palace. And for 40 years, he's going back and forth. He's not sure which world he belongs to. He's, he's a Hebrew, but he talks differently than his Hebrew brothers and sisters because he's been educated in the palace. And so he takes his purpose in his own hands and he kills a taskmaster. But then his sin finds him out and he has to run. And he ends up in Midian. And then he meets Jethro and marries his daughter. And he gets a job and he's like, what's a job? And he's learning how to raise sheep. And so 40 years in the palace, the best education, the best science and mathematics and all that stuff. And his mom, his adopted mom telling him, hey, you're born to be a king. You're born to be a ruler and a leader. And then 40 years working a job, tending sheep, working in the wilderness, both preparing him for what was to come. And so that's kind of now as we step into the story. We find ourselves in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why this bush is not burned. <coughs> Excuse me. Moses is out in an area he's been to many, many times. And it wasn't that uncommon for bushes to spark into flame. It's very dry in the desert, and perhaps a lightning or something else would cause a bush to burst into flame. But something was different about this bush. It was on fire, but it was not consumed. And so Moses is like, what is this? I, I'm not sure what this thing is, but it's something different, something out of the ordinary. I've been in this place so many times, but this is something a little different. So Moses, he says, I'm going to turn aside. And when the Lord saw that he turned to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. First thing, if you're taking notes or tonight is, God did not speak until Moses turned aside. The, the, the bush is burning, but I want us to see that it was until Moses made that decision to turn aside, it's the same word for repentance, in the Hebrew it's teshuva, you're going one direction, and instead you, you turn back towards the way you're supposed to go. Moses, he's going this direction, he turns aside to see what God is up to in this burning bush. And it's when Moses makes that decision to turn aside to this burning bush, that is when God speaks. So often God is waiting for us to make that first step. He gives us that sign of that burning bush but it's up to us. Are we going to turn aside and turn away from kind of everything that's going on in our everyday, ordinary life? Moses had been in this area for so many times. He could have been easily on autopilot. 
But instead, Moses made that decision to turn aside, and that's when God speaks to him. If you see something that is, is pulling you out of the ordinary, we have to make that decision to say, okay, God, what is this? I'm going to turn aside from where I have been and what I've been doing, and I'm going to go see. And that is oftentimes when then God speaks to us. Then God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. My guess is, Moses' first response is, what do you mean this is holy ground? I've been here many, many times. You know, there's sheep dung everywhere, and this is not holy ground. This is just the wilderness. What do you mean this is holy ground? But yet God says, take off your shoes, Moses. This is holy ground. See, a place is holy because God is there. It's God's presence, not the place that is important. It doesn't matter if we meet in a movie theater, if we meet in a high school auditorium, if we meet in an elementary hot gymnasium, if we meet in a covenant church in Sunday nights. The place is not what is important. What is important is God's presence. That is what makes a place holy. That is why you can be out with some friends, out for dinner, and all of a sudden the conversation turns and, 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 and you feel God stirring something in you with someone else and, and you know, man, this is a holy moment. Not because that restaurant is holy, it's because God is there in that midst. Or maybe you're having a small group at your house and, and, and all of a sudden the conversation turns again. It's because God is there. See, what's, what's great is God is beyond all places or, or, or holy mountains or anything. A place is sacred and holy because God is there, not just because that place is holy. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. and have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Come, I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? First question here I want us to look at, and I think this is the question each and every one of us has to answer at some point in our lives, whether we are 11 years old or 91 years old, is who am I? I'm guessing you've asked that question different times. Maybe you've journaled it. Maybe you've asked it to a friend. Maybe you just said it in the quiet of your hearts. Who am I? Who am I to raise these kids? Who am I to be married to my beautiful wife? Who am I to make a difference in the world? Who am I to share the love of Jesus with this person? Who am I to invest in kids back there? I don't know all the answers. I, I could never uh, work in Mosaic Kids. Who am I? Why am I even here? But here's what I love what God does is God actually doesn't even answer this question. He said, but I'll be with you. Instead of God telling Moses, hey, no, Moses, you're, you're strong enough, you're capable enough. You had 40 years education in the palace, and I've had 40 years under Jethro in the wilderness learning all about this. You're the perfect candidate to lead my people out of slavery and bondage. He wasn't reassuring Moses of all those things. 
Instead, what does he say? I'll be with you. You know, it doesn't really matter. Your background, your pedigree, it doesn't really matter your talents, your skills. What really matters is that God says, I'll be with you. For those of us who are parents, we ask, I don't know how to be the right kind of dad or mom. God says, I'll be with you. As we go through marriage and it's hard, we don't have all the answers, and who am I to do this? I don't know. God says, I'll be with you. When, when, when you feel that nudge to talk to that neighbor about Jesus or to share our faith with someone, I don't have all the answers, but God says, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? The question Moses is asking is, what kind of God are you? He grew up 40 years in the palace, and he knows all about the Egyptian gods, the gods of the Nile, and the gods of the gnats, and the frogs, and, and the sun, and the moon, and, and all these many gods that God's going to deal with when he does the 10 plagues. And he, he heard his Hebrew mom telling him that we serve the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Abraham's asking that question, God, what kind of God are you? What, what do I tell the people? They've been in slavery and, and, and bondage, and, and I, I need some kind of answer. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. What he's what is saying here is, I, I will be what I will be. I am whatever you need. I'm the sustainer, I am the deliverer, I am the healer. I'm the God who provides, I'm the God who heals. I am who I am. He said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. When we first started this church in 2015, I, I was like, how do you start a new church? I've, I've never done a church really from the ground up. I've helped start some other churches, but not exactly like this. And so we said, you know, let's start in the book of Genesis. That's the first book of the Bible. That's a great place to start. So we, we spent our, really our first year going through the book of Genesis. And it was, it was a great journey uh, to lay the foundation for this church. And we learned all about Abraham and God called him out and and he made some mistakes. And then, and then Isaac, and Isaac wasn't very original. He actually made the same mistakes as Abraham. He couldn't even sin originally. He doesn't get many chapters in the Bible. And then Jacob. And Jacob, man, Jacob takes the cake. Jacob is the trickster. He's the twin who betrays his brother and steals the blessing, steals the birthright. Like, man, Jacob is not a good guy. He is not someone <laughs> that you want to model your life after. And and he's got these two sister wives. He actually marries two sisters and has a bunch of kids with them, and plus the two nannies. And man, it is not good. We learned all about Jacob and, and his life. <laughs> Excuse me. Then there's this moment where Jacob wrestles God. And God has this transforming moment with Jacob, and he says, No longer will you be known as Jacob. Your name now is Israel, and I will build a great nation out of you. And so 
Jacob becomes Israel, and, and, and he becomes this patriarch of, of faith now. Why doesn't God say, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Israel? If, if he changed Jacob's name to Israel, why, why doesn't he say that here? I think God is telling us that I'm the God of the good, probably the most famous man maybe in the history of the, the world, Abraham. One of the top three probably. But also, I'm the God of the, of the Jacob side of you, not just the Israel side of you. I'm also the God of, of that side of you that's a trickster, the side of you that makes some mistakes. I'm not just God of the good parts, but I'm God of all of it. That's who God is. God hears us when we cry out to him. That's the kind of God he is. He listens. He's not distant, but he came close in the form of Jesus. What is in my hand? What, how has God gifted you? Children, talents, wealth, opportunities. What's that thing maybe that you feel stirring? That God wants you to use for his glory, for the benefit of others. Incarnation is this fancy word, carne, meat, inside there, and everything's always better with carne, with meat. The burning bush was this moment where God temporarily incarnated. He came down and he accommodated himself for Moses, and he appeared in the form of a bush that was burning that wasn't consumed. It was just a temporary moment. Throughout the Old Testament, there are these moments where God shows up to speak to his people, and all were pointing towards the one true incarnation when Jesus saw us in slavery and bondage like the people of Israel in bondage to their Egyptian slavers. And God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to be the true incarnation, God clothed in flesh. And Jesus was born, and he really lived a perfect sinless life and taught us many amazing things. But it isn't just about his teaching, it's about that he was the son of God. And then he went to the cross. He paid the price that we should have paid because all of us have a guilt and a debt that we could not pay. And on that cross, Jesus took all the violence, all the sin, all the shame of the world upon himself. And he defeated that all. And he rose again three days later. And then invited each and every one of us, hey, you don't have to have all the answers about who you are. I'll be with you forever. And what kind of God am I? I'm the kind of God who will step into human history to clothe myself in flesh, to point to our Father, and to say, hey, you can walk with me forever, and you can have all your guilt and shame taken away and be adopted into my family. If you would like to make that decision, I want to invite you, you can put your faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, we will be saved. If you'd like to talk more, I'd love to chat with you after service or just continue to have a conversation. I just urge you to keep pressing in and asking those questions. Who am I? What do I believe about God? And then that, what is in my hand? What is Jesus asking me to do with what he's blessed me with? Your next step, get baptized. We had baptism 
service a couple weeks ago, but that's that we're identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We're going underwater and we're saying to the whole world, hey, I belong to Jesus. Do the green book. Something new we're doing. It's uh, 15 weeks where you just sit across from me or one of our key leaders uh, and we just go through the story of Jesus and, and, and learn how do we become his apprentices to be like him, to become like him, to, to do the things that Jesus did. Invite someone on the journey with you. Maybe it's coming here on Sunday nights and just inviting someone to be with you on that journey or to just say, hey, I got some questions. You know, maybe I've been following Jesus for a while, but you know what? I've just been kind of stagnant. I need someone to journey with me. Sign up to serve. We have need of, of, of people serving back there with, with our kids, with our youth group. We have, Ethan does a phenomenal job, and Christina leading our teens. But we, we could use some more caring adults investing in the lives of kids. Uh, become a partner. You saw that with the halls. Hey, we're all in this together, but everyone has a next step. I'm going to pray, and then I invite the worship band to come up here. God, thank you for this opportunity to be here. God, thank you for your love and your grace. God, thank you that when we ask those questions, uh, who am I? You respond by telling us who you are, that you will be with us. God, thank you that you are the God who is all that we need. You are our deliverer, our healer, our provider, our rescuer, our father, our friend, our savior. And God, we've all been blessed with something talents, abilities, opportunities, businesses, kids, whatever that might be. God, I just pray that we would ask, what is it that's in our hands that we could use for your glory, for your kingdom, for the benefit and good of those around us? Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, why don't you stand, and we're going to do a closing song. And then um, we are doing a spontaneous uh, wedding after uh, service tonight. So if you'd like to stick around for that, we're going to do that about 7.15-ish or so um, as we celebrate uh, Kim and Jim uh, getting married tonight. So um, why don't you stand with me? And um, again, uh, thank you so much for joining us as we walk through the life of Moses. We hope that tonight was uh, just beneficial for your faith, that you were stretched, that you were encouraged. Uh, and I would encourage you to be reading through the book of Exodus. Um, we're not going to have time to cover the whole book. So actually, I'm going to skip way ahead on, uh, in two Sundays. Uh, just a reminder, we're not meeting here next Sunday night. But on the 4th of July, we'll meet at the park. Uh, but may you know that God loves you so, so, so much. Uh, so let's go out of here singing.